Hello and welcome to the A440 Podcast, the one music podcast everyone can get in tune with. I'm your host, Charles Fiore, and today is part two of a two-part conversation I'm having with filmmaker, native Bahamian, and longtime friend, Matthew McCoy, about the Counting Crows. If you missed episode one, I highly recommend going back and listening to that first, then coming back here and uh, listening to part two. If you've already heard part one and you're back, congratulations. I admire you. Many thanks. I admire your diligence, and I'm glad you're along for the ride. There was a time when an appearance on Saturday Night Live was a coronation of sorts for musicians. The show aired once a week on Saturday night, and there would be two slots for a musical performance. Typically, what would happen is a band would play the song that they were best known for in the first time slot, and then play kind of the B-side to that single in the second time slot, presumably because there are more people watching the first part of the show than the end. The Counting Crows were invited to play Saturday Night Live following the debut of their album August and Everything After, a studio album that was produced by T-Bone Burnett, produced four singles, and was generally pretty well received by critics and went multi-platinum in several countries. It sold, in the U.S., it sold over 7 million copies and peaked at number four on the Billboard 200 album chart. There was a time when Mr. Jones, the hit single, was ubiquitous. And the expectation was, when the Counting Crows were invited to play Saturday Night Live, that they would play Mr. Jones first, when more people were watching. The B-side to Mr. Jones course, was the single Round Here. A couple things about Mr. Jones. The song was written as a deliberate pop song, right? An earworm. The song that's going to get the Counting Crows some notice. And to piss off the producer, Thibaut and Burnett, Adam Duritz inserted the Hey Na 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 part of that song. Uh, it's uh, so well known in the beginning, just to sort of embrace and play and kind of give a winking nod at the pop sensibility of that song. That wasn't actually part of the original song. Duritz just kind of did that in the studio to kind of, you know, poke a finger at at the producer. And it stuck. Anyway, the point is, that's the song everyone knew from the Counting Crows. However, when the Saturday Night Live producers told the Counting Crows they'd be playing Mr. Jones first and Round Here second, the Counting Crows refused. They insisted they were going to play Round Here first and Mr. Jones second. Because, and I'm loosely paraphrasing here, they told the producers, hey, you know, this is our career. This is our, these are our careers on the line. And we're going to come out and open with a song we feel most passionately about that we feel is the truest artistic expression of ourselves as a band. And that song is around here. We'll play Mr. Jones. We'll satisfy the crowd at the end of the show. But the first song we're going to come out and play is around here. You know, for you guys, you have a new band on here every week. You couldn't care less. For us, this is our career. This is career defining. And we want to be defined by this song, Round Here. I think that anecdote is a perfect example of why the Counting Crows are so confounding. As we've talked about in this, in this conversation, they have all the right influences. They have all the right sensibilities. They've written two albums, or at least an album and a half, that were groundbreaking for their time and are unmatched in certain in lyrics, lyricism and even musicality. There was actually obviously a time when they cared about something as abstract as artistry. So what happened? 
Did they get fat and comfortable with riches? Did they realize it's all a sham and decide not to play the game anymore or to play the game perfectly for themselves, for their own individual happiness? What do we make of the Counting Crows legacy? And what can we dream about for them in the future? We get to all those things in this next conversation again with filmmaker Matthew McCoy, part two of our deep dive, the deepest dive. I mean, look, no one's talked about the Counting Crows. No one has done this kind of deep dive on the Counting Crows, maybe ever. Certainly no one has talked about them in depth, this much in depth since the late aughts or early 2000s. So hey, it's been a joy. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Anyway, without further ado, here is part two of our Counting Crows conversation. Enjoy. So it's, I, I want to say one thing about a song I included, this uh, Elvis went to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and I actually named my playlist uh, Aliens on Motorcycles from that, from that song. But um, is, Wait, like, is that the song with the Alex Chilton reference in it as well? Oh, maybe. I didn't, I didn't catch it if it was. But, There's another okay. reference to him in, in one of these songs. I think it's in there. To me, Elvis went to Hollywood is sort of Adam Durrett's career in a nutshell, right? I mean, like, like I feel like, like he was cool when he was in New York and hanging out and whatever, but then he goes to Hollywood, starts dating Jennifer Aniston, you know, manages to get recovering the satellites out, and then it's all downhill, basically. So, like, in some ways, as he's singing about his own sort of disaffection and, like, dissolvement or whatever, like, the end of the way that the nosedive is, not nosedive, he's had a really great career, but, like, just right. like the veer his, just like the veer his career took, you know, he could have gone one way, but he went to Hollywood instead, much like Elvis, right? I mean, you know. I just maybe that's yeah maybe that's what it's about oh yeah it struck me that there's some similarities there like when i think about adam duritz it's kind of i feel like la ruined him the la ruined the adam duritz i loved you know what i mean but like but i get that he's getting laid a lot more he's a lot richer you know what i mean and that's okay right. you know that's <laughs> and, and and it's funny I, I one thing i i've noticed with listening to all this music again is that maybe their career didn't nosedive it just they they had these great albums you know they started with this great album that was unique and special. And then they almost just trashed it all with this other album that, that kind of worked. And then they just kind of like went in the middle and just kind of wrote it out, you know, like if they, I, I don't, and, and, and there's going to be people that always come to their shows. Like, I guess if they were coming to Wilmington, I, I would go see them, but okay. I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to make a special trip to New York or something, you know, like certainly not going to get in a van and follow them around. Uh, and I, I think maybe that's what it is. They just kind of like, they're just coasting a little bit. And they have some highs. And they have a lot of lows. <laughs> a lot of lows. Yeah, so like I feel for that band a little bit, right? Because like you make an album like August and everything after it, it's like not only a commercial success, it's actually like an artistic success. Like it's just like, I mean, there's really everyone that says like, that's a great album. Like you can't really say you hate it because it's good, you know what I mean? Like how do you, how do you follow, follow it up? And like their answer was to, recovering the satellites and really that's a fine so that's a fine way to follow it up like you can't make the same album right i mean right they didn't so i mean props to them you know but i agree like everything since then has been very uh yeah just like there's no just very wishy-washy you know or something yeah yeah and and i think i think it's just fine you know like that's fine. that's my maybe i should have called my playlist music that's just fine just fine yeah but is it is that them chasing like another hit? Are they always trying to write another hit? Or is that them just saying like, this is what works for us. And this is kind of where the space we're going to own is like this, these kind of songs, you know? 
I think I think it's the second. Yeah. I think maybe the Hard Candy album makes that was their pitch to be Maroon Five style pop stars, maybe. Um, and most of those, what I would call bad habits <laughs> from that album, seem to have been like they're still kind of there, but it's almost like they've sanded them down, you know. Like they they've gotten out. They've there, there's not a lot of bad little guitar licks that are just kind of put in there to be pretty or or whatever. I and and the the ballads don't tend to to drag on as much. It's it's interesting that our playlists. This is something I've, I've been trying to figure out. It's like you and I both have loved this band for whatever it is now, like twenty five years or whatever. Um, but like. Uh, our playlists are pretty different. Like my, like I kind of, the songs I've chose, I chose to add are like kind of the more rocking. I mean, my, I have a decidedly more upbeat playlist than you do. And you kind of dug, you kind of, you kind of went more like more chill and ballady, you know? So then, so then I'm trying to figure out like, like it's the same band, but like maybe you would, you and I like two different aspects of the same band, you know? And like, uh, like, or, or like we like the same band, but for totally different reasons. And that's just really weird, you know? Well, it's funny. I, I'll, I'll say a couple things about that. And one is, well, first, I just want to say that you and I have loved the same two albums for 25 years because <laughs> we weren't super aware of all this other music. So I, I, I don't think it's fair to the County Crows to say that we've loved them for 25 years, right? Fair, fair. Um, but I also think it was interesting that right away after Recovering the Satellites, you were like, oh, man, they totally pr- said it rocked. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe that's what it is. And now, you know, later on in life, I'm like, man, I like that album. It rocks. And you're like, but I like the first one better. But now our playlists are are swapped again, you know? And and I was actually thinking that, like, there's a couple of songs you included that I would would definitely consider um dropping dropping in and and pumping mine up a little bit. But I will say that Ooh La La song. Oh yeah right in the middle is is just one of my happy places. I mean, the song, and, and the County Pros do a great job on it, but it's just a great song. Um, and it's not I a ballad, mean, and it's happy, and it's it's kick-ass. I mean, I, I love, I think Holiday in Spain, Holiday in Spain, which is on your playlist, is a, such a solid, that's a solid County Crows song, totally. Washington it, Square, like, maybe the one of the most egregious examples of a County Crows song ever. Like, I mean, that is like, like, it was almost like he... Like that's just every trope you can imagine, but um, but it's still good. Yeah, you know I mean, it's still worthy of inclusion, you know. So, so one trope you didn't list in your your letter to me uh, that I didn't, I wasn't fully aware of until I started thinking about it, is that they make a lot of references to time of year. They do, yes, that's perfect. It can be, it can be a season or or a specific month. And it, it's maybe a minor Counting Crows trope. It doesn't have to be in every song, but it tends to come up quite a bit. You're absolutely right. That's a completely on, it's on the list for sure. Yeah, and so if you were going to write a Counting Crows song, you would list like three different place names, seasons, two different names of girls, and the idea of like seeing that girl before and after and like seeing, so have, not having seen another girl in a long time since winter or whatever, you know, you know. Right. And then you have to make it about you somehow being like not either not getting enough attention or getting too much attention. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yes. One, that one, is the Cat Grosso. So I, I, yeah. I brought up in my letter, I just want to say about Holiday in Spain that it is almost their best ballad since since the 90s. But I just hate that second verse. I mean, when he's like, just hop on my choo-choo, I'm like, I'm almost like I'm out. I'm I can't believe he he's got this great song going and and then he's He's hopping on a choo-choo and and dressing up in clothes and lying about it later or something. Like the whole verse doesn't even work there. Like why why did he put it there? Like there's much worse songs that he could have just wedged that in. <laughs> no, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it really doesn't even have any place in the whole vibe of the song. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You're totally right. Um, and like, so this is... This is, this is another divisive point, I think, between you and I, as far as our appreciation of this band goes. And you mentioned this in, in your letter, uh, which is that you, I, I get the feeling you don't really dig it when they go country western. Is that true? I mean, I think um, I, I could. Yeah, I think you could say that. Yeah. I don't mind it in small doses, but there was one there was a couple of licks in Hard Candy that are clearly country influence that didn't work for me. And there's one full song on Somewhere Under Wonderland where I was just like, skip. Not even, I I just, I'm, I'm not even going to listen to it. I'm not even going to give it the time of day, you know, like, and I hate saying that about, you know, a, a, a body of work that I'm trying to put the effort in, but I just totally skipped it. You have to. There's just too much. There's just too much filler. You had to plow. You have to plow at some point. You know. I mean. Right. I mean, some some of it's just not good. You know. I mean, that's. I mean. Um, so let's let's imagine two different scenario possible scenarios for this band. Like going back to like say you've just finished recovering the sat. You know, recovering the satellites. They could have gone like several different directions. They went the direction they went. Here's one way they could have gone. Is that what if they? In fact, what if they just made August and everything after? And that was it. And they were just like a blind faith kind of band where like everyone looks at that blind faith album and says like, my God, like you had Steve Winwood, Eric Clapton, you know, all these guys on that album. And it was incredible. That's the only one they ever did. You know, what if the County Crows had done that? They just walked away and they, or, you know, did other projects, but never as the County Crows. So you always had that one album. I mean, they'd still be rolling in the dough. Cause I mean, you still hear around here, Mr. Jones everywhere. And their legacy would have been, more secure or less? I mean, what do you think? I don't know. And to follow up on that question, what if they they went on to make their second album, which is totally like the anti-August, or, or as anti as they get, and then walked away? Like, would people be like, they tried to do something else and failed? Like, how would how would that have been taken? Or, or like, or like, or they just, or would people say like that is the those were two amazing albums and. Um, right you know like because in some way like some ways like actually like big star is a pretty good comparison because they had like a handful of albums maybe three or four and like um and they're all amazing but that's all they ever did and then so so they, there's like this cult around that band and alex chilton and like the songwriting chops and all this projects that spun off from that um because like because it's you can't there's not a lot of it out there it's just those few albums and they're so solid the songs are so solid you know um I would have it'd be it would have been a curious thing would have, to see you know if they just quit while they were ahead kind of you know right what if we flip the question what would they have to have done to maintain some form of relevance 
like I, I think that one of the things like I feel like maybe their songs could have expanded a little bit in their point of view, you know, maybe stop being just about Adam Duritz getting drunk and, and regretting it and not holding on to all these girls that he loves. Um, and I don't, I don't know, like what, I don't mean that they need to talk about politics or, or pick a cause, but maybe just like some bigger picture. Like, is there a bigger, I, I don't know. Or like, or like how little storytelling seems to be happening in his songs at all. Like it's so like, it still kind of reads his lyrics now kind of read like a 16 year old's journal. Whereas like other bands, like, I mean, I was picking the Decemberists, you know, who we both appreciate very much, like tells stories about minor strikes and, you know, like uh, dirigible explosions or whatever. And like, you know I mean? There's like stories, you know, and like Duritz just has no interest in telling stories. And that would have been an interesting way to see it, you know, to go maybe. Right. Maybe every once in a while. So do you think, catching up with this band do you think that they've got say an okay computer or a a tongue baby in them like something that like maybe they could have just been like boom here it is we've been holding back it's something completely unexpected do you think that that they could pull that off i i don't i don't because i because i think if you compare them i mean like i I was kind of thinking about like their peers like who and like since they came around, like because I'm not even sure now, you could say like if you held the Counting Crows up against the band like the Jayhawks or like Wilco or like Avid Brothers, and certainly like Jillian Welch, like I would take all those bands over Counting Crows. You know what I mean? Like like song for song and like cat like the depth of catalog and stuff. You know, like maybe none of them have an album as good as August and Everything After. Maybe you know, although like. Uh, Tomorrow, the green grass grows with Jayhawks, whatever, is pretty damn good, you know. But, like, but song for song, all those guys, and they, I, I mean, I would, they're just better songwriters and, and more interesting, you know, I think. Right. I, yeah. And I, I think that that's certainly become clear after, after those first two albums. Um, yeah. I just, I just wonder, like, how does a band maintain their identity and pull off these? grand u-turns i mean like a band like radiohead maybe that's not fair to compare them to uh but but what would be their okay computer or or and then follow it up with kid a i mean maybe u2 is a better example because they came from the the you know the joshua tree and then did octung baby which totally surprised people and people loved it and it's almost like a different u2 band I, it's I just still don't very know popular, that. still very accessible. Like it's, it's U two is a pop band, but like right, but they were able to reinvent themselves over. Like didn't they? Aren't they like one of the only, maybe the only band to have a hit in like four decades or something like that? Like them and Cher or something like that. I don't know, yeah, maybe. maybe. I, I don't know if that's quite right. A side then, note, though, like the new U two is terrible, but <laughs> well, it's all it's all it's all praise and worship music now. You know, so. I guess so. Yeah. Um, um, but what about like if you look at the two Bobs, right? So you got Bob Dylan and Bob Marley and Bob Marley obviously has a shorter career because he died, but they've, they started off in the sixties and all the way up through even to when Bob Marley died in in the early eighties, you've got this work that, that develops. It's distinctly, it's maybe doesn't have all these U-turns that a band like Radiohead pulls off. Um, 
and it's distinctly their music, but it, it's consistently good and consistently interesting. What, why, you know, I guess that's, that's what makes them successful, right? Like that's, yeah. I guess that's what everyone's hoping to do. I mean, I think on a very fundamental level, Tom York is insanely, is like eons more talented than <laughs> Adam Duritz. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's just no, he's a, just one of those, I mean, there's, that's, that's like bottom line, but, but like, I think they if- They also have Kelly all these Cruz, classically trained guys in the band and they all bring in, you know, all these different influences and, and one of them's out writing soundtracks and the other one's making Brazilian bossa nova music you know and and ambient soundscapes and so that you know they they're i i wonder if there's solo careers for any of the counting crows guys or or maybe they just exist within that band i mean even led zeppelin you know like john paul jones the bassist is out there composing classical music you know and like you know you know and uh, jimmy page is playing blues with all kinds of different people and i mean yeah, there's, there's, you know, REM's the same way. All those guys had side projects that were nothing like REM, you know. Um, whereas I, whereas I, yeah, I agree, I agree that maybe like the, the musicianship beyond what they actually do is not there for the Counting Crows, you know. Like, I think, and again, and that again in Big Star, like those guys wrote crazy. Alex Chilton did like experimental rock after that band. Like it's, you know, like it's it's great, you know, like yeah, you just don't see that kind of interest in growing in the counting crows at all or not even growing just changing you know like right uh, like just the minor developments you know yeah yeah yeah. i I honestly i I feel like if you took possibility days you started with round here and then you listen to possibility days then you know there there might not be there's not a lot of a lot of development there whereas if I, i feel like if you took some of that early bob marley and you played a song from his last album you're going to be like, wow, that he got from there to there. And then everything in between, you can kind of like chart that musical journey. Right. Um, and maybe, I'd, maybe, I think maybe one of the reasons we've both kind of fallen off this train is that uh, it's just going in circles maybe a little bit. <laughs> and it's always there, you know, like, so when we want to come back to it, it's still there. And, and he's, you know, they're, they're going to have a new album here whenever it comes out next year or this year or, or wherever. And, and it'll be fine to go listen to it. And it'll, it'll probably be more counting crows. Right. But I don't think they'll ever blow me away. Like the, that first album and this, and the second album for different reasons. I, I, I don't know that they have that anymore. Here's what I met. So here to your question, I think if there is a okay computer in the counting crows, it would be this, it would be an album that is super, mellow super like acoustic um a little bit of slide guitar maybe you know a little pedal steel some mandolin and some storytelling and it's just a very sort of um chill just spare kind of album you know like a haunting sort of eight track kind of album where you're like whoa like what was it you know what i mean like you just, i don't I'm sort of kind of imagining that that possibility you know and maybe like a stand-up bass. That would be an interesting Counting Crows album. Like I would, I would pre-order that one if that if that was the case, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they were the kind of band where, like, you'd go see them live, and like Anna, like Anna Begins, for example, is not a very rocking song. It's chill. It's a pretty chill song on the album. But then live, they, they just crushed it. It would, it would, they would change the tempo. They would change the whole 
approach of that song sometimes. And, and this is a band that could really had a very fluid catalog. They could just, and they would turn songs on their heads all the time, you know? I mean, I would love to see a Counting Crows album that was totally stripped down. Then we went to go see them live. They just rocked it out, you know? And, right. and, and, and to get that experience of like, oh my God, this is a totally different song live. And that, I think that they could do that because they're such a good cover band. You know what I mean? Like, and that's really what they do best maybe is the problem with the Counting Crows is cover other people's songs. But right. I mean, the birds were kind of like that too. Um, but like, I, don't know, I, I would, that I, that I could be, I would be, I would tune in for that show, I think for sure. Yeah, I would too. I mean, but what if they, and they, what if they went a little more ambient or like had yeah. like little bits of, I'm not saying they got to go full on kid A. Some you know, cello? Yeah, something like like uh the Nationals newest album is is a little different for them. You know, okay. they brought in some other songwriters, they they've got different voices, they've got little computer effects that are, you know, blipping in and out. And it, it's a little bit interesting, you know. So like there's a lot of things, you know, I'm not saying they have to do that, or they could, you know, the, we've just talked about two different approaches. There's probably like a bunch yeah. of different approaches, but like something different, you know, like, like surprise us. Right. But don't fuck yeah, it up. Yeah. Either. Surprise us. Nobody yeah. likes, likes a, nobody likes one of their bands to make a bad album. That's not like anything they wrote. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I guess fact, that's a like, might, Yeah. People might actually tune into them again. You know what I mean? Like for the, for, you know, if, 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 Pitchfork came out and said, whoa, like, I can't believe this is Counting Crows. Y'all got to come take a listen. Like, we say, all right, maybe, you know. Like, yeah. What that about like a 15-minute space jam? You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 like, sure. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. What if, what, what if they wrote a song about aliens visiting from Mars or something, you know? Like, uh, their, their space odyssey, you know? <laughs> I mean. What would that be like? What, what would Counting Crows's... Uh, space opera music sound like <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be, be a lot of heavy organ a lot of hammond i think you know yeah maybe. i can see that too <laughs> <laughs> for sure um i mean you know ultimately though i gotta say like i mean I'm glad, i think it was worth it i mean you asked the question is it was it worth it like absolutely like it was worth it just to like go back to a band you used to love and like what they've been doing I, I honestly have like 11 tracks that i'm like not ashamed to play in front of people you know like i, I right. you know so i mean that's not bad you know like i you know. so yeah, work. I, I, it, was, it was a lot of work <laughs> it was a lot of work but i think i think I, you know for the next album I, i'll give it a listen um and i do think it was worth it i like some of these songs um quite a few of these songs um i will say it was kind of funny like I asked a few people, you know, in, in my little, my small circle, like, what do you think of the Counting Crows, you know? And, and I think the average response was, ah, if they're on the radio, it, I won't change the channel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like I've got this one friend who's, who's super opinionated about music for no reason other than just to use the F bomb a lot. And I was like, what do you think? I, I, well, I said, I guess you hate the Counting Crows. He's like, oh, I fucking hate the Counting Crows. But that was it. Like, he couldn't even be bothered to, like, if you ask him what you think of Jack Johnson, like, you'll get a litany of crimes that he's committed against my friend. But Counting Crows, he can't even be bothered. Like, it's just like a, a, a flippant 
dismissal, you know, like, and I think a lot of people just like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm aware of them. They're still there. They're still playing music. Right. I mean, for all we know, you and I are the only people who care at all. Like, I don't even know if anyone else in the world listens to this band, to be perfectly honest. I, no one talks about them. Like, I, no, you know, like, but I'm telling you that there's a subreddit group of, of and, and it could be Adam Duritz's mom. And, it, right. And like 20 other 15 year olds. Okay. And, <laughs> and the 15 year olds change, right? Because as they get grow, grow up, they kind of grow out the music. But then a new batch is always there coming in, you know, because it just appeals to them. Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of weird when you think about it. Like, uh, I don't know. Adam Duritz never like grew up or whatever. He's, is he Peter Pan? Like he's the boy. He's like the, what's the, what do they say about Peter Pan? Like he's the, um, he never grew up. The, the boy, boy who never grew up. Yeah. Won't grow up. Yeah. 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 But that's the thing. I mean, he's, he's got, he's got to be pushing 60. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I, I, if, if you've been writing music and you're calling yourself a poet, man, I'm just saying, like, lay down some wisdom. You got to learn, like, enough for one song of wisdom. You know, like, just... And I think Possibility Days comes close. Like, I, I like the way that rolls. But... I, yeah. He's got to have that, you know what I mean? He's got to have that album in him, you know? Like... Yeah. Um, because he is 50. He's got wisdom. He's been... He's seen everything, you know? He's... He, he likes good music. And he's been on... They poured all over the damn world. Yeah, right. And you know it because he, he puts those names in his songs. <laughs> so one thing you know, I, you know, everywhere he's been for the past four years or whatever, because it's in every song. Right. So so what what would be better? So here's there's two different endings here, right? Right. What would be better to be be like Velvet Underground and and Big Star and have this monumental music that that's almost, you know not just of that time, but, but people can come back and listen to it at any time. Or is it better to just be like the Counting Crows and just kind of ride out your career a little bit and just call it done when you, when you get to the end of, of your career or your life? What, what, what's the better way to go? What's the happier route? I mean, happier route is definitely what, he's, what they're doing now. Because you just get to play music with people, make your money. You just have it. You know what I mean? It's like you have it all. It's fine. But like, as far as like, no one's going to talk about the Counting Crows in 50 years. I mean, God, that, that big star record is almost 50 years old, right? I mean, like, um, no one's going to talk about that them in 50 years, you know? I mean, no one's going to be putting tribute shows together playing Counting Crows songs, you know what I mean? Right. Where they, which, which, which they do for Big Star, you know? So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a purist, I guess. I, I, would choose the, I would choose the Big Star career, I think. Well, if I, choose I, think one, but, I think I would, too. Like, I, I think yeah. I would love to have something monumental that I created and then walked away from. That's right. Yeah. Or maybe failed miserably afterwards, but I still had that, yeah. that, that monumental thing. I just, I just think it's alarming that Adam Duritz's uh, artistic like sensibility or interests haven't changed since 1993. Do you know what I mean? Like it, he's done yeah. nothing else, you know, like it's no, just not weird. at all. So weird. It's a little disappointing. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like you have, you can't help but be like disappointed in him as just as like a human being. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it casts a shadow over the previous stuff, right? Like it does. Because then you're like, well, maybe that's not that great. Right. It brings you start to doubt it then for sure. You know. Yeah. 
Like maybe they should have just done those two albums and then changed their name and carried on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And everyone will be like, I don't know. They disappeared. There's this other fine band. If you like them, you can listen to them too, but it's not <laughs> Counting Crows. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. There was that rumor that when Kurt Cobain died, uh, he was working on an album with Michael Stipe. Uh, that was going to be like some stripped down, like, like literally like cello music kind of like songwriting stuff. And that, like, that to me would have been interesting to hear Kurt Cobain go from Nirvana to like a Michael Stipe collaboration, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, with a cello or something. Just like a cello. I don't know if it was just, just a like yo-yo ma in the background, like, <laughs> just like playing. <laughs> I would listen to that album. I would own that. I would probably own that album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's, what, that's what even Kurt Cobain had enough like curiosity to be like, ah, let's do a cello album with Michael Stipe. You know what I mean? Like where, yeah. Adam Duritz, where is your cello album? That's what where I want Where's your cello album? <laughs> And that's our show. Thank you again to Matthew McCoy for uh, taking so much time out of his busy life to uh, focus on the Counting Crows and have these conversations with me. It was really a lot of fun, uh, even if it was a lot of work. You've been listening to the song Possibility Days by the Counting Crows off their album Somewhere Under Wonderland. Thank you so much for listening. We'll have uh, the third episode coming up next week. Please check out all of our episodes at uh, a440pod.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And my new novel, of course, is Coyote Loop by L.C. Fiore, available at your independent bookstore and Amazon.com. All right, I'll take care. Stay safe. Let's jam again soon. It was a call at 3 a.m. at JFK. Guess you stayed cause you wanted to stay And we went from zero to everything All in a day and then Kennedy took you away I thought of a short robe that was keeping you warm